Welcome to the Grow People Podcast. That Welcome. is Pastor Jason, lead pastor of Revolution Church. My name is David Stein, and I am the campus pastor of our campus location. Campus location? Canton can yeah. location. I've heard it both ways. I thought you were going to say I'm David Stein, and I'm under the weather. I am. I am yeah. under the. I am under the weather. <laughs> um, it's. I think this is day eleven. Yeah, it's been quite long. Um, yeah, which you know, I don't get sick. Yeah. Well, pridefully, I say that, and and here I am. Yeah, sick. Um, you I drink. Mean, you drink uh, after Cecily, at the water bottle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we have somebody on our staff that it is. Uh, she's not a germaphobe. No, I'd give her a hard time. There's been a running joke. In fact, this just happened yesterday, which is why I thought of it. But I made a comment one day to several of our staff, like backstage in the in the little office area. Mm-hmm. Though I normally have water mm-hmm. bottles back there, but sometimes there'll be a, another water bottle. Sure sitting there that I'm not a hundred percent sure is mine. It may have been somebody else's. The, the rogue water bottle. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll just drink it mm-hmm. um, because I don't really care. And so when Cecily, who's our, on our student staff heard that she just freaked out. She's like, what? You don't know. And so then yesterday we had a staff meeting and I walked by and I said, Cecily, I'm 90% sure this is my water bottle. But I, <laughs> <laughs> so we were jo- joking about, you know, germs being passed around. So I don't know if, if you drank some random water bottle and that's how you got I, it. I, I may or, have. It, it could have been it could have been a random water bottle incident, <laughs> which is going around. That's what I hear. Uh, then yeah. you were talking about drinking out of a uh, drinking out of a hose when you were a kid. That's what yeah, we did. That's what we did. That was the the funniest thing. So yeah, we're sitting there having a conversation about this whole water bottle bottle, and I was like, listen, I went to daycare at six weeks old. You know, I got a good immune system, and then I asked her, I was like did you ever drink out of a water hose as a kid? And she looked at me like I had two heads. She said, no, (laughs) I don't remember that. And I said, what? You always drink out of water bottles. I mean, out of water hoses. Like you just let the, let it run for a second, get the hot water out from the sun, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, I mean, it's tap water. That's what we did. We were were playing, we were playing little league. And if we couldn't get a hose to the field, the coach would bring a metal bucket. Like there was, you know, probably from the garden Yeah, he'd, he'd rinsed out and he'd fill it with water from yeah. the hose. Yeah. And then he had a metal ladle and then we would all drink from that same metal ladle. So one kid had mumps. We all had mumps. Of that's course. just, that's just the way right. it was. Yeah. They didn't send, parents didn't send us with Stanley's or no, or Yeti cups. No, no. I mean, literally I would like my friend's houses that lived around me, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't even have to be home. And if I was outside playing, but I was close to their house, I would just go drink out of their water hose. Yeah. You know, then nobody cared. Mm-hmm. It was a so, simpler life. Being. It was definitely, <laughs> definitely. A, well, even football practice, like in high school, we had, we didn't have these fancy, like, you know, jugs that they've got now with each little, we had like this PVC pipe system with a water hose hooked up to it and water just shot out. Yeah. And we all just drink out of it. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Yeah. We were fine. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't shut down anything. Had <laughs> <laughs> much stronger immunity systems, back oh, immune systems. Oh my. Well, welcome to the Grow People Podcast. Um oh, I gotta go back to something from last week's podcast. All right. I was greeting at the door on Sunday, as I am apt to do. And was this saying like you were doing the greeting motion with your hand? I was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so I'm greeting at the door and somebody you know, I greet somebody, he goes past me, he turns around and then yells, I'm not a side slitter. 
That's a I, whole, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> I have no idea where that came. So, you really are under the weather. I am. I'm not a side sitter. Yeah. It, it would have been funnier. But yeah, he yelled that. That's funny. Yeah, emphatically saying that he does not sit on the same side as his wife. As as you shouldn't. That's the 11th commandment. So I, I don't remember yeah. that from my Torah. Yeah. <laughs> but That's one of those ones that the rabbis added in. Okay. You know? Yeah, when, so. when Moses came down with the three tablets. Yeah. <laughs> and he dropped one. Those uh, were the extra ones. I, I give to you my... 15, 10 commandments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we just, this is a, and the big story on Action News is that we just completed after two and a half years, the gospel according to John. Just completed. Yep. Yep. Took John 14 days to write it, but took us two and a half Eight, years to go through it. 89 weeks total. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was spread out because, right. you know, broke it up. And I'm kind of bummed that it didn't end on like 90 or 100, you know, so it's like 89. You're very linear. I am. So, yeah, two and a half years. We started it in February of 21. 89, the number of completion. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That was also in the Torah. Yes. Um, Yeah, two and a half years. And it's it's kind of crazy that we, it feels weird in some sense. But there's also kind of a cool sense of completion Mm -hmm. that we actually finished it. Um, And this last week was just on one verse, Mm -hmm. you know, the very last verse, which might be the coolest ending to a book ever. Um, John just says, I mean, it's not a, uh, he doesn't do greetings, you know, really, or like, you know, PSs or that kind of stuff or farewells. He just says, that Jesus did a lot more stuff. And if I would have written those down, I don't think all the books in the world could hold it. And so he just ends it with almost like this, not a to be continued, but I don't know. It's just probably the coolest ending ever to a book signifying that like, this is just a a snapshot. You think that was amazing. Yeah. You think this, you think what I just wrote was awesome. Wait till you hear one day of all Mm -hmm. the other stuff he did. Yeah. Um, so that, that was just a super, uh, I don't know, just a fascinating way to end a book to me. Um, and I think John, cause he tells us, as I said, he tells us the purpose of the book at the end of chapter 20, mm-hmm. when he says, you know, Jesus did many other things, uh, that I didn't write down, but these I wrote down so that you might believe and have life in his name. So that was the purpose of the book. So he'd already told us that. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it gets into John and Peter and that whole, you know, little competition right. that they had. And then just ends it with, again, just this epic way of, if I would have written it all down, you know, uh, all the books in the world couldn't hold it. So it, I don't know. It was just fascinating to me and really cool because, you know, especially those that might be new to our church have come the last several years. We primarily teach through books of the Bible. Yeah. And, and we'll, again, we'll break it up and do other series, uh, different times for different, maybe a seasonal thing, or Mm -hmm. it may be a specific topic that we want to cover, but the main diet is going through books of the Bible because we want to help people be biblically literate and kind of know, because when you, whenever you camp out in a book that long, um, 
you start to think like John, mm-hmm. you know, you start to, um, y- you don't have to, like Lindsay and I were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, preaching through books of the Bible, I don't feel like I have to do some like really fancy intro to the message because right. I'm just kind of picking up where we sure. left off the week before. Um, and so I love just walking people through books of the Bible because it helps them understand the whole purpose of that book. So not just what did what did this text say, but what's the whole arc of the book saying? Mm-hmm. Like what's the purpose of this whole book? Um, so now that we're through, you know, we get an insight into John and what why he wrote the book, you know, and what he was trying to communicate about. And basically he's trying to communicate that Jesus, this man, is unlike any other man, you know, because as the book opens, he's God, mm-hmm. and he was God before he was born. And if you believe that, if you believe that he was God, he lived, he died, he rose again, you'll have life. Mm-hmm. And so you get that. And there's a lot of points, obviously, made within the book, you know, within the 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 story that, and I tried as we, and we all did as we worked our way through it, like to make a point, but the overarching point is that. Yes. And by going through the book, you get that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I loved the going through Romans several years ago. Yeah. Uh, this is what we believe. Yeah. And now this is who we believe in. Yeah. And if you have been with us, and I know so many people have uh, come to Revolution Church just over the past few years. Yeah. And, you know, they whether it was COVID or they moved from another state and they come to the area, they're looking for a church, they jump in. So many times I'm talking to first time guests and they say, Hey, we have been binge listening mm. to John mm. and you know, we're, we're up to week 20. Yeah. And, and <laughs> we got, yeah. You got a long way to go, but it has been so rich to understand who is this Jesus that, yeah. that we follow and what does it mean to follow him? Yeah. Cause I didn't grow up in church. We've talked about that many times. So, you know, I didn't have the experience of, well, I was born in a pew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just grew up in church, and this is what I do. This is what we do on Sunday, because grandma took us yeah. to church on Sunday. Is there a phrase that Jewish people would say, like, born in a pew? Um, like, I, I, I don't think there is. Okay, um, I didn't know. I, I remember going to synagogue, but only born on, in the synagogue. Born, you wouldn't born, say that. Born, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that. Born on a bima. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is Hebrew for the platform podium. Yes. Yeah. Um, we we would go to the synagogue on the high holidays. Yeah. So I remember having to get tickets because you know, just like Christmas and Easter, it's it's a big Busy. deal. Yeah, and so you'd have to get a ticket. And then we would go and we would dress up and my brother and I would just punch each other uh, nonstop in, yeah. in the back of the synagogue until the service was over. Yeah. And uh, we, we knew the Hebrew prayer at the end. Mm. And when the cantor, the, the singing rabbi, mm. um, when the cantor would sing that song, we knew... It's time. To it's go time to, to go. It's time to go to Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was our that was our big treat. We get a Junior Whopper with cheese afterwards. Mm, mm. That that's that's what it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't remember any phrase uh, that you would say. No. Yeah. No. I was just wondering since you mentioned that. But yeah, you're you're right. It's it's Jesus, and like we talked about two weeks ago, which really, and I didn't think about it even when I preached that message when when. 
Peter is asking Jesus, what about this man? Mm-hmm. You know, talking about John. But that really kind of sums up the whole book too, is so often, and, and what you were just talking about, like you didn't grow up in church, I didn't grow up in church. And so we don't know, we didn't have a kind of a basis of what it meant to follow Jesus. And so the gospel of John is really good because that's really one of the main themes is follow me, mm-hmm. you know? And like I said two weeks ago, so many people get caught up with, what about this? What about this? You know, what about this thing? What about that thing? And the point that Jesus said to them, he says, what about that? You know, you follow me. And so I think a lot of people get so sidetracked in trying to follow Jesus because they get caught up in these sub issues. Mm -hmm. You know, what about this? What about that? Mm Uh, you, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was, what about creation versus evolution? Mm-hmm. You know, so many people got sidetracked by that issue. Uh, cause that was kind of like the bent of the day. Um, because we were living, we were coming out of the modern era into the postmodern era. And so, um, it was a very scientific way of, you know, really trying to discredit the Bible. And it's funny, people don't really ask that much today. You know, people don't really have, I don't really have, we don't really have a lot of conversations today over creation versus evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, But today it's a, it's a lot more, you know, personal in the sense of like, it might even be sexuality or gender. What about this? Mm -hmm. What about this? And people get so sidetracked and, and kind of sub issues that they miss the whole point. And I think that's why John wrote what he wrote was he was saying, guys, the main issue is Jesus. That What about him? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the mm-hmm. point. Um, and so what you do with Jesus determines your eternity. So we're not going to have every question answered. Right. And, and that's the point of John. The point mm-hmm. of John is not to answer every theological question, but to answer the, the main question we need to answer. Who is this man? Right. What about this man? Mm-hmm. Jesus. And because Jesus is the only man who ever rose from the dead to never die again. So that's the issue. And I think if, if we even in have, we're having conversations with people, um, you know, you see this all the time on, on videos, there'll be street preachers or even people asking questions on the street kind of thing. And people will always want to ask you, well, am I going to hell because of this thing or this thing? They get sidetracked by mm-hmm. these issues. And it's like, ultimately it's not about this sin or that sin or your viewpoint on this thing politically. It's what are you doing with Jesus? Right. Um, and that's why I loved this book so much because probably the gospel of John arguably, and I've, most theologians and pastors would say this, especially if you're new to faith or you're, investigating faith, the gospel of John is the best place to start because you get the clearest picture of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what John, again, why he said, that's why he wrote it. He wants you to know who this man is. And I think that is the main, and as Christians, I think we've got to make sure that's always the main point of our message, mm-hmm. which is why our mission statement says, love Jesus. Yeah doesn't say love God. Mm-hmm. Not that that's wrong. There's a lot of churches that say that. But when you say Jesus, you're being clear mm-hmm. at that point in time. Because there might be people 
that say, oh yeah, I believe in God, uh, or I believe there is a God, but they don't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not saved. Right. You know, Jesus is the differentiating factor because Jesus is the one who substituted himself for us mm-hmm. in our place. So anyway, that, I think that's what's amazing about the book is it's just one of the best firsthand accounts of a man who lived with Jesus for three years, who didn't write down everything he did, as mm-hmm. we said, but wrote down enough of what he did so that you can see this man is different. Mm-hmm. What was cool about these two and a half years is you couldn't sit there for any length of time and really pay attention and not see who 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 this Jesus is. Yeah. And, you know, it's a really cool story. I got a front row seat uh, earlier this year of a man who came here having not trusted in Jesus. Yeah. And had a background in religion, mm-hmm. a lifelong background in religion. And he sat here and sat here week after week. And he knew there was something. Yeah. But he couldn't get there. And he, he told me in the lobby one day, emotionless, I, I just... I just can't get, I can't see Jesus as God. I just, I just can't see that. Yeah. And two weeks later, he came out of the auditorium in tears. Mm. And after week, after week, after week of hearing, who is this Jesus? Yeah. God finally softened his heart and broke through and he saw that Jesus is God. Yeah. And he got saved. Yeah. That, 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 that to me is just real practical, powerful application of why it's important to sit under the teaching of scripture. Oh, absolutely. And I think every, every sermon, no matter what the topic should in the sermon point you to Jesus somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, even uh, like when we went through Micah, you know, even in old Testament, all the old Testament is looking forward to Jesus. Um, The new Testament, the gospels are explaining his life. The letters are talking about the implications of it, you mm-hmm. know, and then looking forward. So the whole Bible is a uh, a picture or a it's a storyline of God's plan to save us in Jesus. So no matter what the subject matter that we're talking about, um, we should relate it and talk about who Jesus is mm-hmm. because that is the key to understanding it all. Yeah. Through this, obviously, you know, we read other texts, other uh, commentaries. Um, you brought to my attention recently a funeral uh, speech, a, a funeral message mm. <laughs> that John Piper had given. Mm. And it was around the context of John 3.16, which is arguably the most famous verse in the yeah. Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And what Piper pulled out of that I thought was so powerful to look at the entire context of John and say, that's, that's it. That's it right there. Yeah. And what he said was everybody dies. Yeah. But he takes that one word out of John three sixteen, but not everyone perishes. Yes. And that, that just opened up a, a whole new light on that verse yeah. and on the entire book. Yeah. No, that, cause that, you're right. And that, that was I mean, in the way Piper does, it's mm-hmm. just amazing. But that was really um, uh, an amazing, I don't, can't think of a better word, but just an amazing way to think about that text, yeah, is there is something beyond death 
you know, there is perishing. Um, and so, yeah, when he, when Jesus says that talking to Nicodemus says for God so loved the world that he gave a son so nobody would perish. It doesn't mean nobody die because mm-hmm. we're all going to die, but he's talking about the death after death, you know, the mm-hmm. eternal. Um, and then he says, that, you know, eternal life. And so everybody wants life. Um, but it's that understanding that, yeah, it only comes through Jesus. And if I want it, I don't just want life now or the best possible life. Now I want it eternally then that's the differentiating part. Again, that's why Jesus is the only way, as John said in John 10, because Jesus not only said things like that before he died, Mm -hmm. but he came back to life proving, you know, I have the power over perishing. Mm. You know, I have the power because I can raise your life from the dead. And so, um, yeah, the, the thought of, um, I I said I used to say this to teenagers and I've said it many times but the whole phrase life is life is short you know like live it mm-hmm. up life is short I used to say to people and, and do the the thing that a better way to say it is not that life is short it's that heaven is long mm-hmm. or eternity is long mm-hmm. and that's a long time to be wrong mm. so <laughs> It's not about, you know, if we get 70, 80 years here now, mm-hmm. yeah, life is short. I'm not saying it's not. But if what I do in this life determines whether I perish or not, mm-hmm. then I need to I need to live this life in view of that one. Mm-hmm. You know, in view of eternity because eternity is a long time. Oh, one of the things that I said to my dad in 15 years of witnessing to him that I, I there there are very few times where he was like Oh, yeah. Uh, but when I ran the J.C. Ryle quote by him mm. that hell is the truth found out too late, yeah, that's that's when he stopped. And, and he, I think it may have been a turning point. He started thinking more about his eternity. Yeah, and, and that's again, that's what makes Christianity and Jesus different. Is we're not saying other religions, Confucius. You know, um, I was here listening to something the other day. There's kind of the four or five main world religions. Obviously, you know, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and then really Eastern is like all kind of Confucius, Buddhism, mm-hmm. all that, all very similar. We're not saying that all those other religions are false in the sense that they don't have practical things to help you live life. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of practical things that you might find in even new age or even secularism. There's practical things to help you live your life. And so a lot of people want to know today, especially in postmodern context, want to know not is this true, but is it helpful? Mm-hmm. And so most people today aren't really wondering, oh, is this one true or this one false? They're like, no, is it helpful? So they'll kind of take bits and pieces from everything, mm-hmm. which is called syncretism when you bring things together. So a lot of people kind of think that way. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying that other faiths or religions don't have helpful things in them. Like I get it. Um, but what we are saying <laughs> is none of the other faiths can help you after death mm. because 
all of those religious founders, all of them, Muhammad, Buddha, whoever it was, um, they all died and they didn't come back to life to tell us, here's what it's like. So we don't know. So every faith system is just that. It's a system built on faith. But the difference with Jesus is it's not built on faith in the sense like it is on others. It's built on the fact Mm -hmm. that Jesus rose from the dead. And so that fact right there is the argument like to your father, like, hey, everything else is found out too late. Mm. But if you... Jesus is the only one who came back to life to tell us so that we can know now in this life, if we believe in him, we won't perish. Mm. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing else to say. Um, The, and and I've been thinking about this for a few days as I've been, you know, doing nothing, trying to, (laughs) trying trying to rest, try to rest my voice. You've been doing stuff. Yeah, Yeah. I have. I'm, I've been coming to work and, yeah. and uh, sitting around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I try to do something intentional in the summer reading-wise. Yeah. Now, I was traumatized as a child with summer reading plans. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, did, my kids had Did had you those. do your summer reading plan? Yeah. No, I did not. Yeah. Um, I'm going through John mm. because I don't. I don't want to get through John and then move on. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to go back and go, oh, that's, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. And I've been very uh, intentional about during the sermons, writing in my Bible, the dates mm, and, and points and things like that. So, um, so I just want to kind of do a refresher before we move on to what, whatever's next. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if anybody wants to join me in that, have at it. <laughs> well, and I've said this before, um, but most, uh, and I, again, uh, Bible reading plans I think are great mm-hmm. and, and people like kind of different versions. But one of the things that I like the most uh, that has been the most helpful to me is to read something 20 times. Mm-hmm. And I've said that um, because when you, when you do a Bible reading plan, you might be reading the whole Bible or, you know, and you're, you're getting kind of the overview of the whole book, which mm-hmm. is great, but you might be kind of just reading through things and right. moving on. But yeah, to the, your point, it's better to stay in one book and read it multiple times so that you're kind of getting it, mm-hmm. you know, like it's sinking in, you know, um, like marketers say, you know, you got to see something seven times, but whatever, mm-hmm. before you you know, start to really think about it or pay attention to it. So in that same kind of way, Mm -hmm. it's better to read something. And so, yeah, in most of my Bible reading, I've just been reading John. Um, Because I learned a long time ago, I mean, I used to try to be very strategic in making sure that what I was preaching on wasn't my, like replacing my Bible reading plan until I had a pastor tell me why, like, what's Mm -hmm. the, yeah, you're pre- you do need to study this for yourself, but why not just study what it is you're preaching? Mm-hmm. You know, why do you have to read, feel like you have to read something else? Right. So I've, I've been camping out in John as well. And so that's a good idea to go back and read it uh, multiple times just to kind of camp out there so that you get, because there's just some amazing truths, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Again, the story of the whole Bible is there in that, 
Jesus was there in the beginning. He made everything. Then he shows up on the scene to save us. And so, yeah, that is what is unique about Christianity is it's not a system of belief um, like most other faiths are. Do these things. Mm -hmm. It is, no, here's a person, you know, and here's what he did. And yeah, this person is God. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you believe him, again, you'll have life, but not just life now, not just practically now, but eternally forever where you won't perish. Mm. Yeah, no, I I love that. And I I love the idea of going through a passage or a book 20 times. Yeah. And and you you will know Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I've known for a few weeks that in June... Uh, when we get into this series on parables yeah. this summer, uh, that I'll be preaching on the cost of discipleship, uh, Luke chapter 14. Mm-hmm. And I learned this from you, and I've just read that passage over and over every day. Yeah. Some days not even doing anything other than just reading. Just reading it. Yeah. And just last night, having read it, I don't know, 20 times probably. Yeah. I saw Jesus say, Anyone who comes to me. Mm. And I thought, where's, where's that from? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I have no idea because I haven't studied that, th- that phrase yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's any correlation to Matthew when he says, come to me all who are, all who are weary and I will mm. give you rest. Mm. But when he says anyone who comes to me, yeah, knowing that Jesus is the one who's going to give them the rest, yeah. he's then imploring them, hey, there's going to be a cost to this. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any context there, but that jumped out after the 20th time. Yeah, exactly. Which is a part of the reason, and you know, people will ask me all the time. In fact, I was at one of our small groups a month ago, and they that was some of their questions. Like, you know, when you preach those, when you preach that, you brought up something I've never seen before, and I've read that story many times. Well, again, I don't I do think there is a gift that God gives us, you know, to be able to do something. And so that's definitely part of it. Um, But the other part of it is that you just kind of look at it and you think about it and meditate on it and ask those kind of questions. What about that? You know, like again, two weeks ago, the, when, when Jesus, um, well, when Peter says to Jesus, what about this man? Well, on one level, Mm -hmm. that's just a very, um, normal question. Yeah, matter of fact. Just matter of fact. Hey, what about this guy? Mm-hmm. But then when you start, then I started thinking about that and how Jesus says, what is that to you? You follow me. So then I start thinking in my mind, oh, we all do that. We all have the, oh, what about this? Oh, Jesus, what about this? Mm-hmm. You know, what about her? <laughs> what about, so then you kind of, you kind of start like, rolling that around in your mind and thinking about it. And then, yeah, sometimes it is, which leads you to another scripture. Um, like I just saw this and I've seen it many times. It's gone around on, on Instagram and other places, but it is a, a chart, if you will, that has all the cross references in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And there's something like over 600 and something thousand yeah, cross references right. in the Bible, which are just verses referring to other verses, you know, so the fact that the Bible was written, you know, 66 books over 1400 and something years by however many authors it is, 40, 50 authors, whatever. I can't remember the, the exact number. Um, but yet there's this amazing similarity and correlation mm-hmm. within itself. 
And so the fact that there's over 600,000 cross-references to one another, so that's the spirit will do that, like that. Like you'll see a phrase and then you'll like, oh, I've heard this phrase before. Where did I hear that? And then you go look at that. And that's the beauty of studying something deeper is you're digging in and um, you're, you're kind of going, okay, well, this word, well, this word was used here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was just listening to a sermon coming in today from Piper, actually talking about um, the same, when Jesus cast out demons, he rebuked a demon, but then um, Peter's mother-in-law had a fever and Jesus rebuked the fever. And Piper pointed out that that was the same word that Luke used. Um, so he was talking about, well, like to the demons, that's a living thing. You know, that's an alive spirit. Well, and they have a will and they can choose. And, but yet to the fever, that's not alive, mm-hmm. you know, but Jesus rebuked both of them because he has power over both of them. And so there's implications to that mm-hmm. of like, right. neither one of them had a choice, the demon or the fever. They had to come out, you know? Um, So there's things like that that you start to see, which again is why it's good to study a book, read it many times, underline certain things. Mm -hmm. Man, that word jumped out at me. Where have I seen that word before? You can get you a good concordance, look up that word. You know, obviously we use Bible study software that does a lot of that work for us. And so that's the, that's the power of kind of digging into it like that. Um, like you said, like you're you're preparing to teach one of the parables, and you've been meditating on it and thinking about it. And then when you hear a sermon, you're like, oh, like after church two weeks ago, uh, you're like, oh, that sets me up perfectly for a cost of discipleship. <laughs> well, in my mind, I didn't think about that at all, mm-hmm. you know. But because you were studying right. it and thinking on it, mm-hmm. the spirit brought something to your mind, right? Mm. Well, end of John, um, and on Sunday uh, and Thursday this past weekend, you laid out um, even more of your plan for your sabbatical, mm-hmm. and you you referenced a a great word that you were using this as stewardship. Yeah, yeah. Stewardship has become a word that um, really we're trying to make a part of our language here mm-hmm. at the church. Uh, in fact, me, you, Chad, and I think maybe Thad, years ago, we're in Chicago heading to an airport, and we were working on our whole membership process at the time, and something hit me. When I was like, I didn't like the word membership, mm-hmm. and because, again, just got church world, like membership doesn't really mean much. You know, People will join a church and become a member, but that doesn't really denote much. So we decided then to change it to stewardship. Mm. And so when someone joins our church now, we don't call them a member, we call them a steward. And we came up with this phrase that said, members have rights, stewards have responsibility. Mm-hmm. So if you look up the definition of stewardship, it is the responsible management of something that you've been entrusted. So, Which is, I mean, slow down. That is a great definition. Yeah. Uh, and if you... If anybody ever wonders, why do you call them stewards? It's the responsible management of something you've been entrusted with. Wow. So the interestingly enough, talking about Jesus, Jesus came and saved us. He did his part, but then he empowered the, like Ephesians 4 said, the apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, shepherds. 
to go out and equip the saints for the work of ministry. So Jesus said in Matthew 16, he would build his church, but he does it through us. Mm-hmm. So he did the heavy lifting of salvation, but the process of sanctification happens through his church. So he made us stewards, as Paul says in Corinthians, we're stewards of the mystery, uh, which is of the gospel, and then we're servants to people. So why I like the term stewardship when you join our church is saying, hey, Jesus left the church, which therefore Revolution Church, to us. And we have a responsibility to manage it well. And yes, that that falls on the the pastors and elders. We are an elder-governed, pastor-led church. Um, So yes, that falls primarily on us, but that also falls to not just our staff, but people who join our church. They're called stewards. They have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. They have a responsibility to Jesus to build up Revolution Church, because Revolution Church is a local church. Um, it's a local outpost of the kingdom. So we want people when they join our church not to feel like they're just doing a formality. In fact, we would rather people not join our church. That's right. Just as a formality, but would rather them join our church because they believe in what God is doing here, and they agree to our stewardship covenant. They will do these things. Mm-hmm. That's why we set it up based on expectations. Exactly. These are expectations you should have for your church. Yeah. And these are the expectations your church has for you. Exactly. Because we want mm-hmm. you to realize you're responsible now. Mm-hmm. It's like when you get married, when you have a child, when you take a job, you're now responsible. But yet somehow when we join a church, we don't feel responsible. Oh, that's their job. Mm. No, it's all of our job. So that's the concept of stewardship. And then, yeah, one of the biggest reasons why I'm taking a sabbatical is because I'm responsible for myself. And so this 10-week sabbatical is allowing me to maintain uh, or, or to continue to be a responsible manager of my life and my leadership. Um, so as I said at church last weekend, you know, kind of laying out my plan, this is not a vacation. So again, a couple people said that this is not a 10 week vacation. (laughs) Uh, normally every summer I take a preaching break, which is four weeks. And yes, I take a week of vacation as a part of that, but I'm praying, planning about the future and teaching and all that kind of stuff. So it's to get me out of my regular preaching break so I can kind of think or preaching so I can take a break and think about the future. Well, this is an additional time where I'm actually getting some specific coaching uh, again for my life, for my marriage and family, and then for the church. Mm -hmm. And so those three kind of concentric circles, because I want to be a good steward. Yeah. I want to steward my life and leadership well. And so I've been here, you know, 13 years, I've been in ministry for over 20 um, and then thinking about the next 20 of my ministry life. Um, you know, when I get back from this sabbatical, I'll be almost 45. And so, and at that point in time, I will have been in ministry for 25 years. So then thinking about the next 20 to 25 years, which would take me to 65 to 70, you know, that's a prime ministry time. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make sure I'm a good steward, right? that I'm being responsible, mm-hmm. that I am 
that I'm managing things well, because God has given us all talents and we will be judged. And again, a lot of Christians don't understand this. They just think, oh, there's one judgment. No, there's two. There's the first judgment, which is heaven or hell, right. you know, saved or not. And then Christians will be judged a second time based on our works, because that's where we'll get rewarded on what we did or didn't do. It'll be burnt up, you know. So I want to hear, just like everybody else, well done, mm. good and faithful. We say servant, but you almost could say steward. Same mm. concept. Well done, good and faithful steward. You know, so I want to steward my life in leadership well. And, and in fact, when we come back, when I come back in August, my plan right now, uh, of course, the Lord can change things, but is to do a series on stewardship and do a five-week series on stewardship before we jump into another book of the Bible, mm-hmm. which we'll get into then in September, but to talk about stewardship and how we as, again, as individuals have to be good stewards, good stewards of our own health, of our time, of our treasure. I mean, stewardship obviously has a huge financial component to it as well. Um, you know, our church, you know, we audit ourselves every year and put that stuff online you know, and we have a board again that manages, helps us manage everything, but no one would give to Revolution Church if they didn't think we stewarded it well. Right. Like no one would give us more if we didn't steward what they already gave us. But mm-hmm. we do that with God all the time. We say, God, give me more. But God's like, why would I give you more? You're not stewarding what I gave you. Mm. You're not wow. stewarding your health and your marriage and your family and mm-hmm. your time. Right. You're not stewarding it well right now, yet you want more. Right. So I think stewardship is a big, big thing. And it's, again, it's throughout the Bible. And so I want to talk about stewardship when we get back and I'll, I'll kind of catch the church back up on, here's what I did during my sabbatical. Mm -hmm. Here's what I learned. So I'll I'll kind of recap some of that stuff in August, but then also talk about trying to help other people. Cause again, the purpose of this sabbatical is not, it is for me, but it's for me so that I can be a better father, husband, and pastor. Mm -hmm. So hopefully there's changes that come out of it in my own life and changes that come out of it in the life of our church. And so I want to help our church how to be, or help our church to be better stewards in their own life as well. And, you know, it's, it's a time for the rest of us who are going to be here to steward Revolution Church through the summer. Absolutely. And and you gave some very specific ways that we can do that. Number one, pray for you, pray yeah. for your family. And number two, stay engaged with the life of the church. Now, number two is pray for the church, pray for the church. Yeah. Number three was stay, that. Stay, yeah. stay engaged yeah. with the life of the church. And that doesn't mean, you know, show up once a month and Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm engaged. No, it means steward, yeah. be responsible for, yeah. uh, serve, continue giving, um, continue, uh, being active in the attending of church, the gathering of the church. It it is so important. And I'm a steward and I was a steward before I joined the staff of revolution church. I'm homegrown. I started here. Uh, we walked in the door and I said, Hey, we're just going to sit in the back three weeks later. Uh, Zip Kane tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, you've got a goofy smile. Do you want to greet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then I started as a greeter and, and then, you know, next thing you know, all, all of this happened, but this is my church. Yeah. 
And I, I get so passionate about it because I want people to love this church as much as I love this church. Yeah, exactly. And so if, if it feels, I hope it's contagious. Oh, um, I hope so too. Yeah. But, but let's steward this church well uh, and, and pray for our pastor and pray for his family and pray for the life of this church throughout the next 10 weeks. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm, I'm glad. I feel like the, the Lord put that word on my mind. And even, again, talking about it at church, talking about it when we come back, because it is stewardship. Again, it's pray for me and my family, pray for the church, and then stay engaged by attending, serving, and giving. It's not, it's not, that's not the total of what stewardship Mm -hmm. is. Like, there's definitely more to stewardship than those things, but it's not less than those things. Like, it's it, that's the bottom. And that's why I started there. So yeah, when you join our church, when you become a steward, that's what we expect you to do anyway. You know, pray for us, pray for the church, and build up the church through attending, serving, and giving. So we're not asking people to do something like drastic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is basic level stuff. <laughs> it is. But we are just reminding people this is how you steward the church, well. right? Because unfortunately, people can think, oh, Pastor Jason's gone, we can take it easy. Or, you know, Pastor Jason's gone, uh, we like him, we don't want to listen to other people preaching. We Again, you're not here to hear from me, you're here to hear from Jesus. But I like Apollos. Yeah, exactly. I like Paul. I like Apollos. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that whole comparison thing. So four of our staff are going to be speaking, mm-hmm. of which you are, uh, we already mentioned, four church planners are going to be speaking. It's going to be incredible. It is. We got worship weekends, we got mission camp, we got give a kid a chance. There's a lot of great things that are going to be happening this summer. It's not going to slow down at all. It's not going to stop at all. I've looked at the calendar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of great things going and, and that's the beauty of it is the church is so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than any one of us because it's a family. Mm -hmm. And so the family has to continue to operate. And, and that's the message we want to send to our church is be maintain what you should normally do. You know, again, I, I, I get, you know, I have favorite communicators and people I like listening to. So I understand that. And I think that's fine. Um, cause I like preaching and I hope people like listening to me preach, but it's a, it's good to hear from other preachers because you get a different take on something and B it's good for me to take a break from preaching mm-hmm. so that I can come back and continue to do it longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the goal, but we want to continue to make sure that the ministry of the church is stewarded well. Yeah, while I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you said this at our staff meeting. You said this at our team member party. You said it this weekend. This is not you going and preaching somewhere else. No, and you're not interviewing somewhere no, else. No. So this is re- not me. Rest doing, easy, folks. Not me doing any of those things. In fact, even my own family. Lindsay's grandparents are having their 70th wedding anniversary coming up in the summer, which is wow. Yeah. Wedding anniversary, which is crazy. So longer than you've been alive, they've (laughs) been, that's saying a lot. That is, that is. Yep. They've been married and they have a little church thing on Sunday afternoons. And my father-in-law is like, well, you know, we can do like a little party and then you can speak for like 20 minutes, you know, do a little Bible study. I said, Nope. (laughs) Stephen, I'm on my sabbatical. I'm not doing it. I don't think he would mind me saying this. He goes, no, it'll be fine. Just like a little Bible study. I said, Stephen, I'm not doing it. That's I said, right. I, that means I have to study and prepare. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so for Do even it. my own family, yeah. 
for some, I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. You know, mm-hmm. that's not the point of I'm receiving, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to coaching and counseling other people. Like one of the things, in fact, I just talked to him. I'm spending a week at a thing called ultimate leadership with Henry cloud. And, mm-hmm. and wow. He's one of my personal heroes. He's teaching. He's the smart dude. I'm there to listen. <laughs> I'm not there to, to teach. Mm-hmm. And I'll be working on like, you know, um, working outside, just doing some things that's not my normal job. You know, Lindsay and I have some land, and so I'll be working out there doing stuff. And then intentionally, when I'm out there, and it's funny, I think about this consciously, I'll be riding my tractor or riding my four-wheeler not saying a word. And I won't say a word for like four hours. Mm-hmm. And I literally, like, I'll feel the Holy Spirit say to me, like, okay, now you're ready to listen. Mm-hmm. Cause you imagine sitting wow. on a tractor for four hours and not saying a word. I mean, it takes me that long to detox from hearing my own voice. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So I got to spend some time mm-hmm. um, where, cause I get paid to speak, you know, to where I'm not speaking and I'm just listening. So yes, this is not a vacation. This is not, um, uh, me going and interviewing for other jobs <laughs> or preaching a lot of other places. This is me intentionally listening to God, allowing him to continue to fill me up so that I can be a good steward. So in order for me to be a good steward, I need our church to be good stewards so that the church is still in a great place when I come back. Excellent. Excellent. This is the healthiest thing you could ever want for your church. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're excited for you and uh, we will hold down the fort and pray uh, for you, for your family, and stay engaged with the life of the church. Now, um, one thing, uh, we mentioned this uh, at the end of the last podcast. If you do attend the Canton campus or you have to come to the Canton campus for any reason starting May 29th-ish, uh, though they did promise me that was the date. Yeah, yeah, Monday. The intersection of Highway 20 and Union Hill Road will be shut down. Will be closed. For about 60 days. Yeah. Now, they do have incentive to get it done within 60 days, but it's going to cost a little bit of uh, time to yeah. get to church. There's a cost to discipleship. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you're going to have to take a detour. There are many, one way to get to heaven, many, many ways, ways to get to Canton. Get to Revolution yeah. Church. And I don't want to hear it from anybody because I know you still went to Target when they tore up all those entrances. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you still got there. Yes. Um, and we will, uh, we will of course, uh, let the whole church know about that and keep reminding you, but don't be surprised uh, yeah. when you have to go down to East Cherokee or Scott road or however, come, come around a different way. Yep. Yep. Um, and we'll continue, uh, giving you information, make sure that you have the app so you get app notifications. Yeah. Um, turn on your notifications when you download the app. If you haven't downloaded the app, if you haven't turned on your notifications and, um, make sure that if you have not, uh, I guess you can, uh, we text, but make sure you accept the text. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. However that works. Yeah. I'm not sure. Cause we, we do give information. That yeah. Way we too. text text is the best way. Email app. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, um, our producer uh, for the show today, well, the executive producer is Brian Dameron. Yeah. Uh, Neon Keon Sadihi. Neon Keon. <laughs> um, I like it. Has been uh, operating the board today along with key grip, Jakub Pustakovsky. <laughs> <laughs> Kuba 
Bushtakovsky. That's, uh, I've been practicing that. Um, our head of doctrine and theology is theologian. Our chief evangelist is salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer is lukewarm. Our translator is Lexi Khan. Our lineage specialist is genealogy. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again. <laughs> Still our, the best one. Our reform theology advisor is Calvanism. Uh, our expert on Russian eschatology, Pitoff Hell. Uh, our director of holiness is Mortification. And uh, we found out last week that Morty is married, uh, married to Vivian. Uh, Vivification. Yeah. <laughs> our staff counselor is Les Moody. Uh, our giving coordinator is Generosity. Our director of tithing is Tim Percent. Our nativity coordinator is from France. Um, she's French and uh, Israeli. Mm. Beth Lachem. <laughs> Beth Lachem. Um, Co-pastors of plagues are Manny Locusts and Lance Boyles. Uh, our Irish eschatology professor is Marco the Beast. <laughs> Marco the Beast. Uh, heading up our legal policies and procedures department, also from France, Stone Tablet. And from a longtime listener, first-time caller, longtime mm. listener, first-time caller, Jimmy, the director of communication, Bernie Bush. Bernie Bush. <laughs> 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 for a transcript of the show that's just, pretty good for a transcript of the show just write down everything we say and of course the best advice ever trust god and take a nap or a sabbatical or a sabbatical <laughs> take a nap on your sabbatical we will continue the podcast i'll be interviewing uh, all of our guest speakers this summer and talking about things like give a kid a chance mission camp and everything going on in the life of the church that's right stay tuned